I'd like to invite now uh, Ken Clark, um, better known to some of you as Fanta. Um, you can ask him later why, but uh, we really um, wanted to invite uh, Fanta to come and close New Horizon for us in 2018. Uh, Fanta came to minister actually in the town of Coleraine in 1986, and so was very much part of the life of the town and this community when New Horizon is birthed, and has been a great supporter and advocate and friend of this conference over the years, and we're grateful for your leadership and for what you're going to share for us uh, this evening. So we're just going to pray now with Fanta, and then we're going to uh, submit to God's Word together. And I want to use this uh, prayer of Paul um, for the Ephesians, but for God's people. For this reason, we bow before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant us to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner beings. Yeah so that Christ may dwell here in our hearts through faith, so that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so now to God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, May that power work within you tonight, Ken, so that to him will be the glory in this place, in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 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 Now, Barry, just before you go, um, I wonder could I say a few words to you as you retire as a young man from having been chairperson of the board of New Horizon on behalf of the board and so many of us here, I want to say thank you. And I know tonight has been emotional for you, but it might get a little bit more emotional when everybody sees these photographs of the young, innocent, pure Barry Ford and my what developments... <laughs> my what developments there have been over the years. Just let them roll on there, Colette, you know. Keep going, look at this. Well, what do you think? You know, is this a young man with a great future ahead of him or behind him? What do you think? Uh, just keep them rolling. Oh, yes, the big day. Wow. The woman is a saint, let me tell you. <laughs> Barry, there is one thing the same about you. You know, there's no forgiveness. <laughs> there's no forgiveness no, in the we, kingdom of God. We punched above our weights with the <laughs> wife we got, the wife we got for sure. But seriously, on behalf of the board and all of us here, I want to say a very sincere thank you to you, to Claire, your wife, and your family for all that you have given uh, in recent years. Well, for many years to New Horizon, but not least as chairperson. Your commitment reminds me of a kangaroo with arthritis. <laughs> your utter commitment to New Horizon knows no bounds. <laughs> Sorry about that. And we want to say thank you sincerely, genuinely, and keep going, keep going. And it was just wonderful to hear your daughter sharing earlier, earlier as well. So Barry, on behalf of all of us, thank you. And this is just a little gift. Thank you, brother. God bless you.
Well, now I'm assuming you have your Bible with you. I heard a young preacher say recently, somebody told him the Bible used to be in book form. Um, whatever form you have your Bible uh, in, please do turn to Ephesians. And as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 1, let me tell you something that I suspect most people here tonight do not know. And that is that on this day, on this very day, the 10th of August, 1,760 years ago, that's a long time ago, something quite remarkable happened in the history of the church. And what happened on this day, 1,760 years ago, is a powerful illustration of what the theme of this New Horizon 2018 has been all about. Lawrence was in charge of the finances of the local church of which he was a member. Lawrence was also a deacon in that church. And there was a great revival taking place all around him in the Roman Empire and not least in the city of Rome. Indeed, one of the sayings that was current at that time was all of Rome was becoming, they were becoming Christians, which is quite remarkable because the Christian faith had only been there a couple of hundred years. The emperor Valerian did not like this. He was not filled with joy at the growth of the church, these followers of Jesus Christ. He didn't like it and he took drastic action. He ordered all bishops, priests and deacons to be arrested and executed. He wanted to eliminate the leaders of this movement. And he got in touch with Lawrence because Lawrence, it would seem, was quite a, a wealthy Christian, a property owner, and he, like many of the Christians, had distributed gifts to the city's poor. So the emperor called Lawrence to him and he said, listen, you know what I have decreed, but there is a way out for you, and this is it. I want you to gather together as quickly as you can where all the church's treasures are located. And if you do that, and I can have them, then you will not be executed. Lawrence said to the emperor, give me three days. And in three days, Lawrence gathered together the blind, the poor, the disabled, the sick, the elderly, the widows, and the orphans. And when the Emperor Valerian arrived three days later to see the treasures of the church, Lawrence flung open the doors and he said to the Emperor, these are the treasures of the church. And the Emperor was so angry that he decided beheading or execution was not good enough for Lawrence. And he decided that he would die by being roasted on a gridiron. And that's exactly what happened. He ordered that this courageous Christian man die that way. And on the 10th of August, in the year 258, Lawrence went to glory, having been roasted to death on a gridiron. Friends, the courage of this Christian man and leader is quite remarkable. His faith, incredible. 
Do you know that after he had suffered pain for a long time on this grid as he was dying with the fires underneath it, do you know what he said to the people who were killing him? I'm well done on this side, turn me over. Can you believe it? Actually joking with the people who killed him. But that's what he did. And do you know what? His courage and his faith made such a deep impression on so many people in that city of Rome that instead of the revival stopping, it increased and it spread even more. Indeed, several senators who witnessed his death became followers of Jesus Christ. I don't know what you think, but I'll tell you what I think. Here is a man who clearly did not live for himself, but he lived for the praise and the glory of God. That was the purpose of his life, to live to the praise and glory of God. The theme of New Horizon this week, he literally gave his life for Christ. How appropriate then that on this, the last night of New Horizon 2018, that this very date coincides with this incredible anniversary as we remember that remarkable Christian man. I don't know what you think about this week we're just finishing, but it's been an incredible week, hasn't it, really? And surely the theme of this week is a radical corrective to one of the dominant contemporary moods in our culture. And what is it? It can be summed up in one word. It's all about who? Me. That is the philosophy and the focus of so many people in our culture today. It's not about anybody else. It's all about me. How long do you have to wait sometimes to get out from a side road onto a main road? Would anybody ever think of stopping? Not often, because you see, it's all about me. We live in a me-centered culture. Even in church life, sadly, if we're not careful, church life can be more about us than about him. It can be more about our little local church being a private club for private members only rather than an adventurous, bold and daring community of faith with people who have the courage and the faith that echo that of Lawrence that we've just heard about. He lived for the praise and glory of God. He had the right vision to be a part of a church that's all about him, Jesus, the head of the church, And that's exactly what Paul is teaching here in Ephesians. Several times in the very first chapter of Ephesians, we have this phrase, to his praise and glory. And it's a theme that runs right through the Bible. From the very beginning, we were created by God, we were created for God, we were created through him, and we were created for him. Didn't the psalmist say, not unto us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory. And there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever that this is one of the secrets of life for a man or a woman or a young person or a boy or a girl to discover that we were made by God and for God. 
And until we understand that, life will never make sense. No matter how many avenues we explore, until we as the created are linked with the creator, we are not going to find out what the purpose of life really is and what life is all about. I remember some years ago at our General Synod in the Church of Ireland, a man making a speech and he was having a wee bit of reminiscence therapy and he was reflecting back on when ansophones were a new thing, the answering machine. And he said, you know, the first time I ever heard one of those, this is the message I heard. Who are you? What do you want? These are the big questions of life. Most people take a lifetime to answer them. You've got 30 seconds. Do you know, when I told our eldest daughter that, the next time I phoned her house, guess what I heard? Who are you? What do you want? These are the big questions of... Well, listen, the big question of life is who are we living for? We were made by God, for God. And as I say, this is a theme that runs right through the Bible from the beginning of creation. We were made and created for him. Do you remember the building of the temple in the Old Testament? Remember First Chronicles describing what happens? Do you remember what King David said because quite clearly he wasn't going to be the one who would be building this temple but his son Solomon would? Look at what I've put in the heavy black print. David's vision was clear. This palatial structure is not for me. It is not for man. It is not for woman. Who is it for? The Lord God. You know, it grieves me sometimes when I visit church buildings and you see these plaques on the walls and it begins to the glory of God and it's in little small print. And then my name is in big letters. I'm only joking, my name, I think I'm still alive. Um, <laughs> although, anyway, no, I won't go there. I'm just going to tell you, a little boy asked his dad one day, which service did people die in the morning service? Or, I forget it. Yeah, some of you know that. It's one of the old ones, and the old ones sometimes are the best and sometimes aren't. But David's vision was clear. This temple is not for us. It's primarily for God. He will dwell there. His people can meet with him there. He will be blessed. Now tell me, where's the temple here tonight? Do you remember what Paul wrote to the Corinthians? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Every single Christian is a walking temple. And too often we forget that. And too often we are self-focused and self-centered. Even in our worship, have you ever seen that little spoof on worship songs? I will lift my name on high. I will always sing my praises. You're so lucky to have me in your life. You know, that's the kind of mood of the age, isn't it? To me be the glory, great things I have done, and on and on we go. And we're looking for self-praise and self-glory and be focused on ourselves. Folks, we're made for him. And that's what Paul is talking about here. We are to live to his praise, the praise of his glory. 
Our bodies are the new temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of this temple, the purpose of your life and mine is to live for his praise and his glory. But the key issue is this, folks. Let's be honest. No fake news here tonight. Let's be honest. Am I living for him and for his praise and his glory? That's the key. To whom is this temple dedicated? Is it really for the Lord God? Or is it for my selfish desires, my self-interest, or someone else, or something else? Honestly, before God tonight, as you search your heart and you think of the big question, let's ask ourselves, who honestly am I really living for? I remember being with a businessman in Korean one time, sitting in his office, beautiful picture on the wall, photograph, one of these great leadership quotes. I said to him, man, where did you, that's fantastic, brilliant quote. And he said, oh, Ken, I must tell you that was given to me by a former boss of mine. He said he was a workaholic. Sometimes he would phone me at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the night. He'd say, Ian, I've had a new idea. Need to talk to you about it. I said, oh my goodness. I said, where is he now? Oh, he's dead. (laughs) Died in his early 40s. He sold his soul to his work. How different if that man's body had been a temple of the Holy Spirit living for him. How different. There would have been purpose. There would have been direction. And remember, Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness. Honestly, before God this evening, friends, what are we bringing into the temple? You remember on one occasion, Jesus had to go in and clear out the temple of his day, clear the place, because stuff was going on in it that shouldn't have been going on in the courts of our God, where you're meant to have clean hands and a pure heart, It's the pure in heart who will see God. What are we bringing into the temple of our bodies, honestly? What are we feeding our minds with? What are we reading? What are we looking at? How many buttons are we pushing on the laptop or the computer or the remote control to get somewhere where Christians shouldn't be? because we're temples of the spirit of holiness made for God, a God who is holy. What habits are some of us secretly practicing, secretly practicing that should never be found in the temple of God? Why are we poisoning his temple with jealousy and hatred, and foolish, slanderous talk about other people, often other Christians. Did we hear Rick say this morning, I was so impacted by it, and thank you, Rick. One of the things he said was this, no room for bitterness, betrayal, and gossip in the kingdom of God. That's not what we're to fill the temple with. 
What about our attitudes to other people? Are we building them up or tearing them down? In Ephesians, Paul encourages us to build one another up. Are we polluting God's temple with pornography, watching dark stuff, stuff that is not going to lead us along the paths of holiness, stuff we would be ashamed if anyone else saw us watching it? Folks, the Lord is saying us to us, have done with that. Let's live for his praise and his glory, a different way, a better way, the best way, actually, the way he wants us to, the way that's going to lead to change, not just in our lives and in our network of relationships, it's going to lead to change in our churches and our communities. And that's what Paul is emphasizing here. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 12. Verse 11 and 12, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. We're not to live to pollute his temple. We're to walk the paths of purity and holiness. For our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul goes through stuff that, you know, used to be a mark of their lives. But he said, you've been, by God's grace, you've been saved from all that stuff. In chapter 3, he goes through a whole list of things that, are not appropriate for the, the uh, sorry, chapter four, stuff that's not appropriate for the life of the children of God. Greed, impurity, every kind of impurity, sensuality. No, we're to speak the truth truthfully to our neighbors. We're not to be angry in an unrighteous sense. Yes, there's a righteous anger and that's what we're to get angry about. But Paul is saying, listen, Just say goodbye to the past. Live in the new creation, the new life. Live for his praise and his glory. Our focus is different now, he's trying to get through to these Ephesians. We're living for a different person, for a different reason. We're living for him. Didn't Paul sum it up writing to the Philippians? For me to live is Christ. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the work of the Spirit glorifies Christ. He helps us focus on Him, not on ourselves. He makes us holy. He is the Spirit of power and love and self-control. He gives us a strength that is not our own. Some of you weren't born then, but I'm old enough to remember the Ulster Workers' Strike of 1974. I'll never forget it. And one of the things that was happening in Northern Ireland at that time was we were having power cuts, regular power cuts. And I remember going into Lurgan, beside which we lived at that time, and the poster on the doors and windows of many of the shops in Lurgan just had three words. And the poster said, sorry, no power. And I remember thinking how often that could be written across our hearts or the life of a church that's meant to be a community of faith and courage and holiness. Sorry, no power. Because we're trying to run on our own power, do things on our own strength, rather than doing what Paul talks about, I can do all things through him who gives me the strength, who strengthens me. I remember um, 
Knock Presbyter, or Stormont Presbyterian Church in Belfast, just beside at, at the entrance of the Stormont buildings or near it, there are often captions up on their notice board. Uh, thankfully, they clearly didn't have the experience that two churches did on the Donegal Road in Belfast many years ago. A church on one side of the road had the big poster up, drink is your enemy, and the church on the other side of the road had a poster up quoting the Bible verse, love your enemies. Well, like, what kind of a... What kind of a message? What kind of a message is being sent to people? This is confusing. Churches on both sides of the road. But the best one I ever saw outside Stormont Presbyterian was this. If God is your co-pilot, swap seats. I like that. Friends, if God is our co-pilot here tonight, get out of the seat, folks. He's to be the pilot. He's to be the captain. He's to be the one in charge. We are confessing and owning Jesus Christ as Lord. And yet some of us are so ruthlessly independent. We want to travel the road of independence ourselves and not trust in him, run in our own power. And I really believe the Lord is saying to some of us here tonight, trust me, lean on me. Rest in me. Start living my way. Live for my praise and glory. What Paul prays is so powerful and so relevant, isn't it? Chapter 3. Look at verse 16 in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. How is that possible? Through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you remember that wonderful Christian Dutch woman, Curry Ten Boom? On one occasion, she'd been speaking somewhere and she was taken to the train station by her hosts and as the train was leaving the station, Corrie Ten Boom was leaning out of the window and shouted at her host and hostess, don't wrestle, just nestle. It's an important message sometimes. Sometimes the Lord wants us just to rest in him, nestle in him. Let him do it. And folks, there's more good news here. Paul also says that when we believed, we were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Indeed, in this first chapter of Ephesians, what Paul is teaching is that we've been selected, we've been saved, and we have a seal, we've been sealed. They Just look at the words again at end of... Um, Verse 13 and 14 in chapter 1. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. We were included. We became part of Christ's body. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Seals were so important in the past. They guaranteed the promise. 
They showed the authenticity of a particular document as to who it was from. The seal was so important. And A.W. Tozer says about this, about this, this seal is a sign of God's utter faithfulness to his people. It's his guarantee. Look at verse 14 in chapter 1. He is, it's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So this is a guarantee that isn't for a month or a few months or a couple of years, folks. This is a guarantee from God that it's for all eternity. We are his forever. Any of us here tonight feeling unsteady, a bit unsure? Listen, hear what is being said here, please. God has you and I in the palm of his hands and he is not going to let us go. We have an eternal security. He Hallelujah, will hold us fast. In a gathering this size, I have no doubt that there are some of us here tonight and we've been hurt by the church or hurt by another Christian. And one of the outcomes of it is we just can't hack the church anymore. Heartbreakingly, That happens sometimes. And sometimes we're the ones who get hurt and sometimes we're the ones who do the hurting. Most often with our tongues. Could we hear what Paul is saying here? We are recipients of his riches. We have a glorious, almost indescribable inheritance. So let's get on with it. Loving him and loving our neighbor and loving each other. Do you know that Christ lovers are church lovers? Do you know why? Because we've been purchased with the blood of Christ. That's how much worth we are to our God. Purchased with his own blood. As Paul said to those elders at Miletus who had traveled from Ephesus. Folks, to love God's people is not an option. It's a command. So maybe what God is calling some of us here tonight to do is to forgive, actually, and start loving the church again. Just listen to these verses at the beginning of Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, live a life worthy of, of your calling the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace do you know this Emphasis has been one of the great strengths of New Horizons since it began. As we listened over the years to some great Bible teachers, Stuart and Jill Briscoe, Tom Bathgate, Robert Amos, Charles Price, Steve Goutroger, Don Carson, Gordon MacDonald, our speakers at this New Horizon, 
We are so thankful to God that we have had the privilege of having God's word open to us. I can honestly say that in my life and in our family, we have been so blessed through New Horizon. This event has meant so much to me, and not least with friendships that have been forged with people from completely different Christian traditions. Thank God, because we're all in the church of Jesus Christ. And we're called to love one another and learn from one another and encourage each other. And I can honestly say, this event has been one of the things that has kept me going in my Christian life. And friendships that have been forged here, teaching me to love his people, appreciate people, keep going and being active and serving in his church. I know in the church of Christ, we make many mistakes. We all do. We're human beings. We're still fallen. Hallelujah. It won't happen in heaven on that one day that Sam was singing about. But it does happen while we're still here on earth. But can I tell you this? Despite all the mistakes, and I mean this with every fiber of my being, there is no group of people on planet earth like the body of Christ my dad died when I was eight years old. My mum when I was a teenager. My Bible class leader and his wife, David and Margaret Hewitt, said to me in my late teens, after my parents both died, I'm an only child, Fanta, our home is your home. And over 50 years later, it still is. I just thank God for the church of Jesus Christ the love I have known from people here tonight. And one of the things I want us to do tonight is to go away from here excited about being a part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's a privilege. Let's live for his praise and his glory. I want to show you a little short video now. And let me tell you, if you don't get excited about the church of Jesus Christ after seeing this video, it only lasts about two minutes. You need to get down on your knees and pray. And I'll pray for you. Just hear J. John as he explains as only J. John can. People often say to me, they say, J. John, you know, what, what do you do? And it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport and I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. 
she went, wow. And it was so loud, her wow. Loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. <laughs> If we are a follower of Jesus, wow. then we are part of a global That's enterprise. But not only is it global, it's intergalactic because it includes everyone that's gone before us. Wow. <laughs> amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't that exciting, folks? That's very different to Sleepy Hollow, third belly go backwards, whatever it is, isn't it? <laughs> this is the church of Jesus Christ, folks. What a privilege to be a part of it and to receive God's glorious inheritance and to go out from here tonight to make a difference wherever God calls us. Time is running away on us. So I'm going to hasten very quickly to a couple of things just to try and bring it all together. I want to say that one of the things the Holy Spirit does is, and you see this in chapter one, because as soon as Paul talks about these things in verses 12 to 14, he goes immediately into what? Prayer. And he starts praying for these people. And he begins in verse 16, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he keeps praying for them. Folks, when the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, we become praying people. How's our prayer lives? I'm passionate about seeing God at work. And surely these words from Chronicles, which some of us have heard many times, these are words for Ireland today, north, south, east, and west. We're very good at blaming the politicians, blaming the economists, blaming the bankers, blaming the National Health Service. But folks, you know the key group of people in Northern Ireland and on this island of Ireland today? The people of God. And God's promise holds true that if we who are his people called by his name will humble ourselves, pray and seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven. He will forgive the sin in our lives and he will heal this land. Wow. And he wants to use the church to be a part of that movement on this island today. We had a friend from Chile with us recently and he was telling us that in Colombia, in South America, there's a revival going on. Do you know how this started? A Pentecostal pastor, Pastor Rodriguez, and some others quite independently were moved by God to commit themselves to pray and pray and pray. And Pastor Rodriguez did this, and after some weeks of spending so much time praying, he sensed the Lord saying this to him, don't focus on bringing in more numbers, focus on bringing in my presence. 
And that's exactly what he did. The Holy Spirit began to move in that country and thousands and thousands of people have been converted, even in the prisons. Do you know that last New Year's Eve in Bogota, capital of Colombia, do you know how many Christians were out in the streets of the capital city praying for the country? A million. A million Christians. Folks, are we going to go away from here to commit ourselves to pray? Because that's part of living to his praise and glory. Could you commit to coming on the second Saturday in September to Nuts Corner, one o'clock to four o'clock in the afternoon to pray for God's healing in this land, to pray for Ireland? If you're free that day, please come. Saturday, the 8th of September, one o'clock to four o'clock. Nuts Corner. It was so moving some years ago to be part of five minutes of prayer around the city hall in Belfast. One December morning and Christians came together and prayed for the city. When the Holy Spirit moves and works in our lives, we pray. We live prayerfully. When I was a Christian teenager, a book that had a huge impact on me was The Cross and the Switchblade. Wonderful ministry of David Wilkinson to drug addicts, prostitutes, all kinds of people in the streets of the big cities of the United States. How did it start? It started with him as a pastor in a small rural church, setting aside an hour each night to pray rather than watch the TV. And God moved. That's how it all started. And the Lord tells us we're to live prayerfully and we're to live carefully. Live a life worthy of our calling, Ephesians 4, verse 1. And then he also says this, Ephesians 5. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus gave everything, a fragrant offering, and he wants you and I to be his aroma wherever we go. Are you up for it? You know, there's a city in France called Grasse where there's a big perfume factory. It gives employment to a lot of people, and the people who work in that factory, when they come home in the evenings, doesn't matter if they have a shower, a bath, a change of clothes or whatever, they smell of that perfume for the next of the evening. And friends, you and I need to spend more time in the Lord's perfume factory so that we bring the aroma of Christ wherever we go. With this I finish. On the last day of July, just a few days ago, I finished as mission director of the South American Mission Study. People have been asking me in recent months, are you going to be retired? I say, no, I'm not. I'm going to be refired. <laughs> the flame is going to burn. I don't care what age you are here tonight. You're called to be refired, full of the fire of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit, says the Apostle Paul. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And you know one of the secrets to living carefully and living prayerfully and living a holy life? Making wise choices. Big decisions. 
that change our lives. I remember hearing a preacher at a Christian conference say he made, I, I made a decision, a choice, a foolish choice, and I wasted eight years of my Christian life. One wrong choice. Do you know at the New Horizon in 1990, there was a young man sitting just where you are, and Charles Price was speaking. And he was deeply and profoundly moved at what was said. And it came through to him so clearly that he in his life was holding the staff. He hadn't handed it over to God, so he was holding God's staff. Because he was saying to God, God, I'll serve you in Ireland, but not outside of it. One of the reasons was because at that time, he and his young wife were going through an adoption process. But do you know that God so spoke so powerfully to him at that new horizon as Charles preached? He stood up that evening and he gave everything to Christ to live for his praise and his glory. He said, God, I'll go anywhere, wherever you call me. Do you know that because of his obedience that night at New Horizon, over half a million young people in Uganda are having an education? Three quarters of a million people are having running clean water to drink in East Africa. Trevor Stevenson is his name, founder of Fields of Life. And the turning point came here. What about you tonight? What about me? What choices are we going to make? The Lord calls each one of us to live for his praise and his glory. And when we do, we will become the agents of change and transformation that we were thinking about last Saturday night in our commissioning. I'm going to ask the music group to come up now. And as they do, can I just explain what's going to happen next? Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit, to walk in love. John tells us to walk in the truth, live in the truth. We're to walk carefully. We're to live in love. We're to live in obedience. We're to be filled with the Holy Spirit at half past five this afternoon in Coleraine. In the centre of the town, I saw a man going like this. Do you know how we would describe that in Northern Ireland? He's full. And he was, but not of the Holy Spirit. Alcohol. And it affected the way he walked, the direction he went in. Folks, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit... It affects the way we walk. It determines the direction we live in because we live for him and for his praise and his glory. And I'm going to invite you tonight as we just remain seated for this song that we pray the words of this beautiful song, asking the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, just to come and change us so that we're more like Jesus. And for the final verse, the third verse, let's stand and sing it together. But let's really pray these words as we sing them together. And it's just going to be a short instrumental, giving us time to bring our own prayer to the Lord, make our own response to the Lord tonight, so that we go out refired to be more and more like Jesus and to live for his praise and his glory. And those words are just so, so true. And I know God has been 
working in our lives this week. And if you would find it helpful to go to the prayer tent afterwards, just for prayer, to underline the commitment you have made tonight to give Jesus Christ everything and to live to his praise and glory. Please, at the end, after our final hymn, just one more hymn, just make your way to the prayer tent through there and it will be totally confidential. And you may find it an enormous help really to affirm and endorse what you have decided this evening about your relationship with the Lord and to go wherever he leads. Just as we stand, let us pray. Send us out, O God, in the power of your Holy Spirit to live and to love, to worship and to witness, to pray and to serve as part of your global enterprise. And Lord, may your blessing, the blessing of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon each one of us and our loved ones and the whole New Horizon community this night and forevermore. Amen.